Welcome to New in Nashville. This is your host, Elam Freeman. I'm a commercial real estate broker and yoga instructor based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am a Nashville native who has spent time living in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. I have also traveled to all 50 states and visited nearly every U.S. metropolitan city bigger than Nashville. I am crazy about Nashville's growth and want natives, newcomers, and tourists to have the knowledge they need to keep up with our city's pace. In our first episode of 2019, we talk with Hannah Schneider, founder of Hannah Schneider Creative, founding member of Egg Shop in New York City, and owner of soon-to-open Kettner Coffee Supply in East Nashville. In the interview, we discuss Hannah's experience living and working in food and beverage in San Diego, New York City, and Nashville. We also discuss Hannah's journey towards and her success in entrepreneurship. Furthermore, we discuss how she balances her various ventures and her top recommendations in different restaurant and hospitality categories for the three cities she travels between. Last but not least, Hannah gives advice to listeners who want to get into PR, the hospitality world, or start their own venture. Be sure to follow Hannah and her ventures at underscore hello HSC at team HSC and at Kettner Coffee Supply. Today we are at Serendipity Labs. They have been gracious enough to let us use their new podcasting equipment and really excited to be in this beautiful space looking out over 4th Avenue downtown and even more excited to have Hannah Schneider with us from Hannah Schneider Creative. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. So Hannah um, has a public relations company um, that does a a sundry of different things and excited to hear her share more about her company as well as her career trajectory and all the amazing things that she has done and has on the horizon. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started into the questions. So Hannah, you have three homes. Can you tell us about those (laughs) homes and um, how you would compare each? Yeah, of course. Um, So I grew up in San Diego um, on a small island called Coronado. And I lived there until I was about 20. Um, Super small town, like everyone knows your name. They call your mom if you're out too late. Um, I still get in trouble when I go back home as an adult. Like it's like truly everyone knows everybody. Um, And then I would consider New York my second home. I spent the last five years there. Um, Originally moved to help my sister open a restaurant called Egg Shop and spent my days in Lower East Side, Chinatown, um, which I still have, you know, my fifth floor walk up that I go back to, Um, nothing too glamorous. (laughs) And then now I'm here in Nashville. So I spend about 80% of my time here. Um, February of 2019 will be three years. And I go back and forth still to New York for work um, and then home for the holidays whenever I can. Awesome. So tell us a little more about your career trajectory. What path did you take to open your own business? What ultimately caused you to take the leap to entrepreneurship? And what do you think are the characteristics that got you here? Yeah, so I think my path is a little bit off the mainstream. I always hated school. Like, I just can't sit in class and listen to somebody. Um, I knew from a very young age that I learned better just on my own. So I graduated high school early, 
um, to try to like knock college out of the way. And my first semester, I think I went to class like two times and my dad just had an honest conversation with me and was like, listen, if you're not going to go, like don't waste your time. And more importantly, certainly don't waste my money. Like I'm not going to help you. You know, I was fortunate enough to have help from him at the time. And he's like, I'm not going to pay if you're not going. So like make a decision. Um, and that was it. So I literally, I've worked in restaurants my whole life, so I knew I always wanted to work in hospitality. I think it's just in my blood. Um, I, but I, I also knew I didn't want to be a 40-year-old bartender, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I just knew personally I didn't want to have a family and kids and be working till 2 a.m. Um, so at the time, I was, gosh, 18, and I was hostessing at a steakhouse in downtown San Diego. Um, and I just begged, like Instagram was a brand new platform and I was so obsessed with taking photos and I loved food. So I begged the owner of Donovan Steakhouse to just let me run their Instagram account for free. Um, and I did that for about a year and they ended up becoming my first paying client ever. Um, but at the time they had a PR firm and I just, I'll never forget, her name's Amy Ogden. <laughs> and she just was this like powerful, like hilarious, brilliant woman and I, I like wanted to be her. So that's kind of my introduction to PR. Um, and I just wanted to learn more about it. So I just knocked on doors until someone would let me do an internship without college credit. Um, and I did my first internship, yeah, with a boutique hospitality firm called H2PR in San Diego. Um, and Heidi, the owner of that to this day is still, you know, I consider sort of one of my mentors. Um, so I worked for free for a very long time. Um, I did several internships and I was always working at restaurants at night. So cocktailing or hostessing or bartending, I sort of worked my way up through all the positions in a restaurant. Um, and eventually one of my internships hired me on as a social media coordinator and a publicist. Um, and I was always just like hustling on the side. So I had a few restaurants back home in San Diego that I was freelancing for. Um, that, again, became my first clients, if you will. I think as far as just, like, entrepreneurship and taking the leap, I, I knew I needed experience. I wasn't going to school to get the education, so I, I knew I needed to learn. Um, and I think that's probably where a lot of millennials, you know, quote-unquote, are jumping off too early right now like they all want to work for themselves and it's really like glamorized on Instagram to have entrepreneur in your bio um, but they don't know what they're doing yet like you need real life experience so I was willing to work for free for the best people so that I could gain that um, you know that that knowledge and that experience um, and then I think you know after a few years working my way up in in the PR firms I I don't think there was like this master plan to start my own company. I just truly like, I can't follow rules. <laughs> like I just can't, that just doesn't work for me. So as much as I appreciated the time, I, I always knew that I would have to work for myself. Um, my dad's owned a business my whole life. So I think that was sort of in my blood as well. Um, and then it really kind of took off when I moved to New York. I was running the social media and helping my sister do all the PR for Egg Shop. And it just like blew up. So a ton of the restaurants in the Soho, Nolita area, you know, just happened to ask like who was doing it. Um, and that quickly became sort of how Hannah Schneider Creative came about. You know, it was just me for the first two years. And then I just got so busy at, at one point that I just had to start hiring help. 
um, yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a slow growth. Like there was no backing financially. Um, you know, I worked in coffee shops until two years ago. Um, and then when I moved to Nashville, we opened an office here about a year ago. Um, yeah, actually exactly a year ago. That's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Well, and I love how you're so vocal about your untraditional path because I just think there's so much pressure these days to go to school and, you know, get have a traditional four-year degree. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those people don't really want to do something that needs a degree. Right. And so they, it's almost like they're wasting four years of spending time and money in a direction that really isn't what they want to do. Right. Whereas they could go out in the field and you learn so much more that helps you what you do now in those four years. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, by the time all of my best friends were graduating from college, I had four years of work experience and they didn't know what the hell they wanted to do with their lives. But right. they had this degree and now just a ton of debt, you know? So I think for me, and and I think everyone, I think also self-awareness is so important. Like if you do well in school and that's where you, you know, excel, then that's what you should do. But I think just not feeling the pressure because that's what everyone else is doing and, and feeling confident to take that leap is super important. Right. No, I totally agree. So give us a quick synopsis of Hannah Snyder Creative and what sets you apart from other PR firms. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, We are a digital marketing and PR agency. So what that means is we do social media, content creation, engagement, scheduling, analytics, social media advertising um, for our clients. And then on the PR side, it's a lot of quote unquote influencer marketing, which I know might be this like eye rolling term, um, but it's super important people. Um, And then traditional PR, which is, you know, really diving into our client stories and helping tell those on various platforms, whether it be TV, broadcast, um, podcast now, which is super cool and exciting. Um, you know, traditional print newspapers, online blogs, what have you. Um, we have offices now in New York and Nashville. And I think what sets us apart is we really, really focus specifically on hospitality. That's my bread and butter. Like that's what I'm passionate about. We have, you know, had other types of clients reach out to us. And it's just so important to me that we stay in our lane. Um, We're really good at that. And I think that's what our focus will always be. Mm -hmm. Totally. So when you go to hire someone, what are some of the characteristics that you look for? I just want hustlers. (laughs) You know, like, I want people, A, that, like, give a shit about what they're doing. Like, I want them to be excited about it. Because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying your work you're just coming and like not giving me 110%. Um, And I think we're at a really exciting kind of part of the company where we're still small enough that it feels startup. But I think we have a team that's really invested in in me, which is really amazing, and the company. And I think they believe in what we're doing. Um, So I think for them, it's also really exciting to to see that growth. Like we've grown 210% over the last year, and I don't see that slowing down. So I think, you know, just having a team that like sees that and wants to grow with alongside Mm -hmm. and, and in return, like I invest in them as much as they're giving to me. Like I know they're giving me 80% of their time. Um, so, you know, education is super important. Like we do a ton of webinars and have speakers come in. Um, and we're constantly, you know, I just want people that are constantly like wanting to keep up and get better at what we're doing. Right. 
over the last two years, has it been tough to step away from some of the like nitty gritty handling every <laughs> client social media yes. accounts and like letting go of some of that? It's so hard. And I think it's something personally that I've seriously had to put a huge focus on myself this past year is being able to let go and delegate and trust that things will get done. Um, I think the hard part about having my name on the business is that clients are really tied to me being on the day to day. Um, but they, you know, I think they're hiring us because of my background and experience. So I still have a say on pretty much everything that goes out of the office. Like I still oversee every single Instagram post and press release and pitch that goes out, um, which is great, but that won't always be able to be the case. Um, So I've definitely had to, to learn to step back and kind of let them shine. And also just understand that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. And again, just going back to being self-aware, like I know what I'm really, really good at. And I'm also that much aware of what I'm not great at. And so, you know, back to hiring, hiring people that have strengths that I don't is really important to have a well-rounded team. Um, And ultimately I think that's where we'll succeed. Yeah. Awesome. So moving into, I guess, a bit more of a creative question, and what are your favorite in the following categories, (laughs) um, establishments in New York, Nashville, and San Diego, and starting in the breakfast category? Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Okay, well, hands down, in New York City, Egg Shop, I'm not just saying it because it's my sister's restaurant and I've worked there forever, but it's so freaking good. If y'all are ever in New York, you have to go there. Um, In Nashville... I find myself at Cafe Rose all the time. You can be really good and like healthy or you can be really bad and get like <laughs> waffles. Um, but it's just such a great environment. I love Julia, the chef and owner. Um, so that's probably my go-to. And then in San Diego, this is not fancy, but there's a place in my hometown, Coronado, called Cafe 1134. And they just have the best breakfast burritos you'll ever have. So if you find yourself there, (laughs) it's like a mom and pop kind of hole in the wall place. But I'm there pretty much every day when I go home. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast burritos. I've never found anything like (laughs) on the West Coast. (laughs) So good. So good. Um, Coffee. Okay. Coffee in New York. Cafe Integral. Um... It's all Nicaraguan coffees. It's very, very specialty. Um, Cesar Vega is the owner, and he's um, become a longtime friend in New York. And I'm a creature of habit. It is next door to Egg Shop, so I do go there for my (laughs) coffee, and then I go next door for my breakfast. Um, In Nashville, I have gone to Barista Parlor all the time. I live in East Nashville, so it's convenient and close. Um, But Slowhand just opened, um, on Gallatin, which I've also really enjoyed. And soon, soon be I'll own. be going to a new place on the east side, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. <laughs> um, in San Diego, shoot, y'all, really creature of habit, 1134. <laughs> I go there too for my coffee. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something cooler and newer, but yeah, it's 1134. <laughs> yeah, you got to stick with the staples <laughs> yep. sometimes. Yep. Okay, so how about for a bar? Oh, yeah, gosh, there's so many. Um, okay, there's a hole-in-the-wall Lower East Side bar in New York that I love called Home Sweet Home. It's kind of this old, like, punk rock, like, dive bar. 
if I'm just there, like having a friend night, we'll go there for beers. Um, if we want like fancy cocktails, we go to Attaboy all the time, mm-hmm. also in the Lower East Side, um, which leads into Nashville. They actually just opened here, um, which is super exciting. But I find myself, again, if I'm not being fancy, I go to Mickey's all the time. It's just a great like local hub. Um, and then I love bar, I think it's number 308. Um, it's great cocktails, but it's like high volume. So you can have fun dance parties, um, but also drink like a great Sazerac. Yes. Um, San Diego, Craft and Commerce, hands down, is my favorite bar. I also go there every night when I'm home um, for a cocktail. And then back to Dive Bar, Bar Pink in North Park is my favorite. Nice. Yeah. I hope no one ever hears this, but I used to go when I was like 19 with my (laughs) fake ID and and like stumble home every night. (laughs) So that will always have a a place in my heart. (laughs) I bet North Park has changed a lot since then too. I was driving through a few months ago and I was, wow, Yeah, it's all new and nice. You know, back in the day, I think it, it was like, hipster haven but it right. certainly was not nice yeah um and now it's it's not like the most affordable area right. at all yeah there's like boutique fitness yeah and everything yeah there. okay how about fine dining um in new york fine dining is hard for me i i'm i consider service to make something fine dining um but my last visit back to new york i went to a restaurant called nick's nyx and ix i might have lied Um, But it's actually a vegetarian restaurant, which I never, like, I'm not a vegetarian. I don't think I'd ever go there if I hadn't known that. It blew me away. I mean, you you just, you didn't leave hungry. Like, it was amazing. The service was incredible. The wine list was wonderful. Um, So I would say Nick's in New York. Um, in San Diego, Donovan Steakhouse. It's it was my first job, and it's truly just like the epitome of fine dining. Like mahogany wood inside. They they know your name before you enter. Um, you know the servers are in tuxedos. Like it is the best experience you'll ever have if you have a special occasion. Donovan Steakhouse for sure, and it's locally owned, so it's not a chain steakhouse, which I love. Um, Nashville. Ooh, I went to Bourbon at the JW Marriott last week. I was blown away. The steaks were incredible. Our server was great. Um, the Psalm was wonderful, like picked out awesome wine the entire time. And the views were just like, you can't beat it here yeah. in Nashville. So yeah, Michael Mina's bourbon, I would say. Awesome. And then how about dessert? That's so tough. Um, oh gosh. I would say <laughs> dessert in New York City. I love, um, it's this Vietnamese French restaurant in Soho called Beau Cafe. Um, and they have my favorite chocolate mousse that I've ever had in my entire life. Like I could go just to eat that. Um, so I would probably say Beau Cafe. In Nashville, my favorite dessert that I've had. Can it be a pastry? Yeah, for okay. sure. Sam Tucker of Village Bakery and Provisions makes my favorite pastries in all of Nashville. Um, he serves them at several places in town like Bobby Hotel, Cafe Rose has his chocolate croissants. That is like hands down my guilty pleasure. So I'll just go there to get one of his chocolate croissants and go home and eat it. That's awesome. Um, in San Diego, 
there's a restaurant called Devanti in Oteca in Little Italy, um, and they have this warm focaccia bread with cheese and like honey drizzled on it. I don't know if it's meant to be a dessert, but I save it as my dessert every time. And it is like mind blowing. Like it's the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I'll have to check it out next time. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, last time I was in Little Italy, I went to the new salt and straw there, which is always oh, a yeah. favorite. Yes. But I'm ready for them to come east, but I'm a big ice cream True. person too. Oh, so. I do love ice cream. I didn't even think about ice cream. <laughs> No, I have so many. so many more now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although not in Nashville. I feel like there's definitely a hole in the market. I mean, Jenny's is great, but True. other than that, there's really There's not- one great place, Pipe Piper, mm-hmm. on the east side I love. They have this yeah. ice cream called Trailer Trash. Um, don't let that name scare you. It's amazing, <laughs> and it's literally every candy that you want put into uh, one ice cream. I force people to try it when they come <laughs> into town. Yeah, that's definitely a winner. Yeah, and their little shop is great too it's just so eclectic yeah yeah very east nashville yeah it's really cute inside um and then how about hotels um i think one of my favorite hotels in new york city is the nomo soho Mm -hmm. um it just has this like beautiful garden entrance like you i think it's so hard to feel like you're not in the city when you're in new york and like feeling like you're not surrounded by yelling taxi drivers and buildings and people like just stepping over your feet is really nice. Um, and they have some great restaurants and a great cafe when it's nice out. So it, I've stayed there actually a few times for staycation. Um, that's always been a really great experience. In San Diego, I love the Westgate Hotel. Um, it's also a one-off, it's not a chain And the entire hotel is mirrored after the Palace of Versailles. So you walk in and you just are completely transformed into like a new world. Again, like epitome of fine dining and high class. Like they have like tea time and, you know, it's just so not like part of my typical like day to day that it's it's such a nice getaway. Um, And then here in Nashville... I think my favorite hotel in Nashville would have to be the Thompson. Yeah. Um, yeah, the rooms are super cool and modern, um, and they just have, like, great... I I feel like what draws me to a hotel is the, the food and beverage offering, so I love L.A. Jackson. That's their rooftop, um, and I love their restaurant on the ground floor, Marsh House. They also have a great coffee um, shop called Killabrew, so I would say that. I think it's a great location. Yeah. Service has always been really incredible, and it's just super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the first more truly boutique hotels in mm-hmm. Nashville. Yeah. Um, so what are some holes in the Nashville market? If you could bring one restaurant, one fitness studio, and one to- one hotel here, what would they be? I would bring Egg Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I literally dream about it. Like, it's just got to happen. Egg shop needs to be in Nashville. The branding goes perfectly. There's not a place that is like truly dedicated to like the perfect egg sandwich. So hopefully that's happening. Um, Boutique fitness. I'm trying to think of if there's any fun classes that I've done in other cities that I don't have here. I feel like just a locally owned like boxing kickboxing studio. I've done Title here and Hotbox, which were which were really great. Um, but one that's like geared towards women, I think would be really neat. 
if someone wants to open that for me, that would be great. And then if we could have one hotel here, I love um, the 60 hotels. Okay. There's one in Lower East Side. I mean, they're all over, but I would say... I would say that or one of the Ace Hotels. Mm, I love the Ace Hotels. I stayed in New Orleans and Pittsburgh, and they're just, like, really cool and funky and fun. Um, I think that would be a really great addition to Nashville. I feel like Nashville makes so much sense for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. The other cities are in, it's, like, a no-brainer. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time. It's coming soon, hopefully, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So can you tell us about your experience of being a partner in Salt and Vine and your new coffee shop endeavor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I initially came to Nashville for um, a really exciting project. I helped a friend open a restaurant called Salt and Vine. Um, She and I met, I had a brief year and a half living in Austin, Texas, um, and I met a wonderful gal, Maddie Jackson Selectman, um, and we became, you know, just fast friends. She's born and raised here in Franklin, and she fell in love with the wine industry during our time in Austin. Um, so when she moved back home, she r- had this vision of wanting to do like a really fun, non pretentious wine uh, destination for Nashville, um, but didn't necessarily have the operations background that I had. Um, so she basically asked if I would move here and do it with her. Um, and it took me two seconds to say yes. I loved Nashville already, and I love being able to kind of hop around and tap into new markets. So we built a 4,000-square-foot restaurant from ground up, which was quite the learning process. <laughs> I mean, we would, like, come to the construction site every day with like a clipboard of our schedule and ask the contractors like if we were on time, which the answer was never yes. Um, But we looked hilarious. It was just like us two with all these older like 40 men, you know, on our project. Um, But it was just so neat being part of a project from start to finish and, and building a community within Nashville that had a place to go and, and learn about wine and, not feel scared to ask questions or feel like they had to spend $200 on a bottle. Um, I did all of the like training manuals and all of the, the staffing and operations for the first year acting as the GM. Um, and then I kind of weaned off and just let the focus stay on the PR and social media, which of course we, you know, Hannah Schneider Creative handled from day one. Um, yeah, we were open for about two years. We ultimately decided to close um, but it was such a great way to come into a new market and meet people here. Like the community was so welcoming and it's definitely where I found my now best friends, you know, working in the restaurant. Um, and I think that's something what's so special about hospitality is like you, you become family with the people that you're, you know, it's 12 hour shifts. It's not like easy, fun work. Um, but those people today, I still consider, you know, like sisters. Um, so that was really rewarding. Um, I guess I just like to stay busy. (laughs) Um, I'm now working Mm -hmm. on a coffee shop concept in East Nashville, um, called Kettner Coffee Supply. And it's going to be on West Eastland, I was living in the Eastland Apartments um, for the past year, and we had this empty retail space that the landlord has just been wanting to fill, been waiting for coffee. Um, And he wanted it to just feel like the perfect fit for the neighbors and the people that lived in the building, and he never really found what felt perfect. 
Um, so jokingly, I said, well, why don't we create it? <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so we should be opening in mid to late January of 2019. We are full on in construction right now. Um, but it's going to be really simple, like great coffee. We're serving Cafe Integral. So all Nicaraguan specialty, like small farm coffee um, will be open seven days a week. Super small, limited food offering. Like I just want it to be a place where you can come work if you need to or come and get a super quick coffee on the run um and we'll have some fun like soft serve ice cream flavors that will rotate through um and the branding and that whole process and you know getting to create the concept exactly how you want it is so fun and interesting I wanted it to feel like a total mixture of my past experiences so it's a little bit edgy in the branding like there's some funny slightly inappropriate like illustrations that we'll have on our branding um but yeah just a place that's like nostalgic and fun and like if you care about coffee and you want to learn we're serving the best beans in the world and if you don't and you just want an affordable quick cup that's cool too so just approachable for everybody I want it to be affordable and fast yeah um and fun like I'll have hip-hop playing and <laughs> I think there'll be some unexpected features in the design that people will like love it yeah I um, can't wait yeah, it's gonna be great um how do you manage to balance owning multiple businesses and what have you learned along the way lots of coffee um you know I think one of my personal strengths is that I'm hyper hyper organized and efficient um like my entire calendar is literally blocked out like by the minute every single day um and I also think going back to hiring a strong team, like I have a team now at the PR firm that I trust and that the clients trust and that are doing a really great job and that allows me to, to split my focus a little bit. Um, I think one thing I've learned along the way <laughs> um, is how to be empathetic. I think a lot of business owners expect people to work as hard as they do and I can never expect that like I it just will never happen like if if it's your name on the door no one else is going to care the way you do so when we're super busy or things are really stressful I think putting myself in their shoes and figuring out how I can help as opposed to yelling at them when something falls through the cracks is really important um, and that's certainly not something that came to me easily um, it's something I've had to work at, but I think just through kind of researching what makes for a great leader and manager and business owner, empathy is like, it's just this word that stuck out to me this year. Like I, I truly Googled how to be empathetic at work um, and like watched all these TED talks about it because I knew it was something that I had to, to show, um, but I had to really work at it, yeah. you know? And so it, again, understanding like if I snap it, someone in the office like I need to know why and and ultimately like that's my fault you know so kind of reverse engineering that mm -hmm. <laughs> um allows them to feel valued and work harder and it allows me to be able to do multiple things and different projects that I want to work on yeah yeah I love that transparency <laughs> and yeah I feel like understanding your team and each member on it is so important and mm -hmm. that's awesome mm -hmm. that, that's such a big part of kind of understanding what makes them tick and yeah. some people are probably going to respond better to positive affirmation versus yep. more criticism. So you get to yeah, feel at each person. Absolutely. And I think also 
just having like policies and procedures in place is so important. Like I'm pretty anal about how we do things. And I think sharing why we do it that way with the staff has been really helpful because they probably just think I'm crazy. (laughs) Um, But that does free up so much time when just they know what's expected of them. And I think people like come into the office thinking I'm young and it's going to be like really fun. And we just like party and drink champagne all day. Um, And I'm actually really strict, (laughs) like so strict. (laughs) Um, But it does help. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Makes the team efficient. (laughs) What are your best business development tactics and how do you go about procuring new clients? So this is something I feel like I get asked a lot. Um, And I have two, two answers, I guess, to this. My business thus far has truly been all referral and word of mouth, which I'm so grateful for. Um, And I think my goal for 2019 is to really focus on new business and to go sell the company myself. Um, But, and this might sound so weird, my, my tactic is like, don't be shitty to people. Like, I think people go into business for wrong reasons and they're chasing the highest paying client versus the client that they actually can do the most for. Um, And I have just found like running a business with integrity and honesty is always going to get you a lot further than just signing a client that has a bigger budget. Um, You know, I've had to turn away business that sometimes I've really wanted to take on and it would have been really nice in our bank account, but I knew you know, our team was too busy at the time. So I think going into it for the right reasons um, and not just like truly the money will come if you do things correctly and you're good to people and you're kind to people and you're honest. Like if a client had a huge budget a month, but I didn't think I could do a really, really good job for them. I think understanding that in the long run, that's going to hurt me because they won't recommend us in the future. For for someone that has built their business on referrals, I think that has been the most important thing for me. Um, And like, we care, like we really care, but we work with so many small businesses that, you know, from owning a restaurant, I understand what an investment it is. And we really like, we invest in them the same amount. Um, It's not just like running, it's just not a numbers game for me. Like I'm such a long picture person that, I think if we're good to people and we treat them well, that in the long run, we will come out on top. Right. You yeah. Know? No, I Kind of totally cheesy, agree. but like people are shitty in business, like because they want to make money and you will make money if you're good to people and yeah. you don't burn bridges. Like right. that is my biggest tip for people that are starting a new business. Like you never know who will come around. Mm-hmm. And if you can just, yeah, be honest and transparent, I promise it will help you in the long run. No, I totally agree with that. It's, so apparent who is out there just for the money and who's out there because they're truly passionate about what they're doing absolutely. and treating people yeah, right. Absolutely. So, and I just think that that always shows. And so kudos. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it will pay off. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think in the beginning you can't necessarily always measure, just like you talked about how you worked for free for years. Yeah. Like you can't always measure successes by dollar signs. That's, yep. Especially in the first five years even. It's about the relationships that you're building and the people that you're meeting. And um, anytime you can look at it like that, you're not going to cut corners. Yeah. And, and like be willing to put in the work. Like exactly. you don't just open a company and like, boom, you're successful and you get to take vacation days. Like I haven't paid myself in five years and I worked in restaurants literally until a year ago to like make up for that. So 
like you have to be willing to put in, I literally worked 18 hour days until recently. And that probably is going to start again with Kettner opening, but like, it's not easy. Like no one is going to be up at 2am working on your freaking website with you, you know? And I think like, if you don't live and fully breathe what you're wanting to do, you'll crash. Like you have to be like, has to be in every bone in your body to make it work. Right. I know that hustle is so important. And I heard someone say a few months ago, like the people that look most successful on the outside, like there's so many hours behind closed doors or they're just like grinding and it's not fun and glamorous. Right. Or the ones that are showing off probably have no money. Like, like don't get fancy, you know, like don't get a, don't get an office before you can afford the overhead. Like if you're going to lose one client and not be able to pay your bills, you're not ready for those things. So like, play it slow. Right. You know, I think people want to be entrepreneurs to say that they own a business, not because, not because they have to, right. like I have to work for myself or I won't be able to breathe, right. you know? And I think again, just coming in it for the right reasons. Like there's also nothing wrong with being a number two. Yeah. Like sometimes I think being a number two to a really big, great company would be amazing. Like I get to do what I want to do, but at the end of the day I go home and it's not my name on the cl- on the door or I'm not the person the clients are calling when they're pissed off. Like, there's no shame in that, you know? And knowing, again, like, if if you're meant to be a business owner or not, I think, like, understanding that there's a place for everybody is also important. Yeah. Like, number twos are just as important as a number one is. Right. You know? Yeah, totally agree with that. So once a client comes on board, how do you set expectations and lay parameters for your client relationships? Um, this is something we do pretty much from the get-go. So all of our packages, if you will, are tailored for each client. There's not like one set. You know, you pay this amount a month and this is what you get. Um, so in the early conversations, it's something that we ask. Like, what are their, like, we really kind of dive into what their goals are um, and understanding their business and the past, what has worked and what hasn't. Um, so it's really just about like deep diving and getting to know them on a personal level. Um, and then, you know, we'll tailor each package for them specifically. So it's always really clear from the get go what they're getting as far as services from us. Um, some clients we do social media and public relations. Some we just do one or the other. Um, and PR and social media, I think are really tough to measure like your ROI. So, you know, I can get you a New York Times article, which might take me six months, but if it doesn't bring business, is it really important? So I think managing clients' expectations, and I think PR is this kind of weird, interesting industry that like no one really knows what we do. (laughs) Um, So again, just being transparent and communicating with them what we're working on and who we're in talks with as much as possible helps kind of ease that relationship. Awesome. Yeah. So moving on to a few more personal questions. What does a day in your life look like? Oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) Stacked calendar. There's so much. Um, Today I set my alarm at 5.30 a.m. to go take a boxing class. I slept right through that alarm and didn't make it. (laughs) And then I was on a conference call at 9.15, another call at 9.30. Then I was checking on the plumber at Kettner at 10. Now I'm here. I have like five more calls today. It's so different. Like keeping a calendar is so important because 
I, I like will not know what I'm doing tomorrow unless I look at my calendar. That could be like my best friend's birthday or my own birthday. I have to have it. Um, but it really varies. It could be that we're on like a photo shoot all day. I take a ton of the photography myself for our clients. So we could be on set. We could be at a TV station. I could be at home in my pajamas working on proposals all day. Like it's so different. Um, or I can be in the office doing brainstorming sessions with the team all day. It's, you know, and then a client calls and they have like a celebrity that comes in and we have to stop everything we're doing and, and totally shift gears. So I think it's, it's always different, very full, um, but it also has to be really flexible. Like, unfortunately, the client needs always come first. And if I have something scheduled and something comes up, like that's just the way it is. Right. So flexibility is key. Yes. <laughs> um, and then any advice you would give to listeners who want to get into PR, the hospitality world, or start their own venture? Yeah. Um, I think, again, just going back to basics, like be willing to put in the work. Um, like work for free as long as you can. And and obviously everyone has bills to pay, but like learn from, like if you want to be somebody someday, offer them to work like you have to be able to provide value to somebody um and and don't move on too quickly like if you think you're ready you're probably not you know um and I think also people get really tied up on like okay I'm 28 this year I have to be doing this no one gives a shit you could be 40 and starting your business and be just as successful as someone that starts at 25 like at the end of the day, it's going to be about putting in the work, hustle, and, and also, like, talent. Right. No one really talks about this, but, like, not everyone is a great business owner. Yeah. Like, you have to, at the end of the day, you have to be talented at what you're doing. And you might not just have it. And that might be harsh, but, again, like, be self-aware enough to know what you're really good at and go all in on your strengths. And it's okay that I'm not a web developer or, like, I don't know how to do IT. Like, Again, surround yourselves w- with people that do what you're not good at right. and Absolutely. build from there. Yeah. And totally. be ready to w- not sleep for years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Surrender to sleep. <laughs> no, but it's so rewarding and fulfilling. Like when you get there and, and I still like if we get a big press hit for a client, like I still get that same feeling that I got seven years ago. Like it's still so cool and yeah. amazing to be able to help impact people's businesses and lives by what we're doing, you know? Right. Um, so I think, yeah, just pay attention to self-awareness, y'all. That's all, that's like all I can say, really. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, really appreciate you coming on Thanks the show today. Thanks for having me. So fun. Yeah. I'm glad that we have connected and can't wait to check out Kettner in January. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I'll come, come get all the coffee. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> for sure. Thanks, Anna. Thanks. Please reach out to share your experiences with us by emailing newinnashvillepodcast at gmail.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list and access our social media at www.newinnashvillepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, please review and subscribe on iTunes and refer our podcast to a friend today. Thank you to Jared Anderson of Evergreen Productions for producing and engineering our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. The music in this episode is provided by Carrie Ann Larson. 
She is a singer-songwriter who strives to write songs that people hear their own stories in. You can find her music, including her latest single, Fairweather Friend, on all digital platforms. 